Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. How hard is it to make a living out of becoming a YouTuber or an Instagram personality? Is there a minimum number of followers you need? Do you have to pick a good niche? How many people actually make it? Well, last week YouTube revealed that there are now over 70 Irish YouTubers with more than 1 million subscribers and over 450 Irish people with more than 100,000 subscribers. Today, I'm joined by two of them. We're going to talk about how to make it on YouTube or Instagram. Brian McManus is the creator of the Real Engineering and Real Science YouTube channels with almost 4 million subscribers. Claire Cullen is a former YouTube ambassador to Ireland, host of the video podcast Storytime with Clissar, and she has 120,000 YouTube subscribers. Brian and Claire, you're both very welcome to the podcast. Now, Brian, I'm going to start with you. At what point did you realize that you could support yourself financially through your YouTube channels? Um, it took me, I wasn't entirely confident for the first while um i mean i quit my job with zero subscribers so i was pretty confident from the start that it was a potential career i saw that it was a viable career because there was other people doing it um but i got pretty lucky with it and it took me about six months or so to replace my income from my engineering job on youtube six months only yeah again very lucky Well, luck is one way of putting it, but you've obviously hit upon something uh, there. Was it a big career decision for you personally to do that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I was working in oil and gas over in Malaysia, and I had like a pretty good trajectory to being like general manager of the company over there, but just didn't appeal to me, didn't appeal to me at all. So I just kind of started teaching myself animation and the skills I needed to succeed on YouTube in my spare time. And then so once I felt I, I had the skills I needed, I just kind of jumped into the deep end and went for it. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> um, Claire, what's your story? Mine's a little different. Uh, so I was doing this part-time for about 10 years, <laughs> nine years or so before I finally got up the courage kind of last year in lockdown to quit my job and try and pay my bills with my YouTube videos. <laughs> Uh, I mean, so, yeah, Claire, look, you, you, you and I were colleagues years ago, you used to work in the independent. Yeah. So, I mean, like I have a lot of experience, like I was working in journalism for years, so that has definitely helped me. But yeah, it was a while before I sort of got up the courage to go freelance as it were. <laughs> and you, because people will have seen your, your vlogs, they'll see your YouTube videos, they might know you on Instagram, they know you from your online comedy. What was the trigger for you to go into this essentially full-time? Well, so for years, I kind of did it 
on the back burner, like I did it, you know, as a part-time job, essentially on top of full-time job. But it meant that I never like got my full attention or anything. And then it would always kind of be, you know, I'd get to a point in a job where I'd be thinking more about my YouTube channel and then I'd move to a different job and then, you know, be excited by that for a while. And then so I realized it was just that I just wanted to fully focus on my YouTube channel. And weirdly enough, lockdown gave me that opportunity and um, the kind of pandemic, because I always thought that if I was at home, I'd never be able to get out of bed and motivate myself to do to work for myself. I kind of was like, oh, no, I need to be in and I need to have to go to an office, etc. But it turned out that in lockdown, I actually could get up and I could motivate myself and work for myself. And then I realized I actually love working from home and I love setting my own hours. And then I was like, yeah, why don't I just give this a go? Um, and so mm. I, I sort of saved up for a little bit and then I bit the bullet and jumped off <laughs> the deep end. Okay, now I'm not going to be so rude as to ask both of you how much you make out of this, but the fact that you've, you're saying you've been able to go full time is an indication that you can support yourself. But people are generally fascinated by the idea of how creators or YouTubers or influencers, if you want to use that word, make a living. I mean, can I ask, start with you, Brian, is there an a basic number of subscribers on YouTube, for example, that brings you to a sustainable living wage? Um, subscribers means basically nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, it's views that matter. Um, and there's plenty of well, channels. Well, they're related, that, surely. No, not really. Not these days. Nearly everything on YouTube is algorithmic. You could have 10 million subscribers and get barely any views on your videos. Um, Does very... that actually happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so unfortunately, YouTube have like made the subscriptions feel less important. Now it's all about recommended. So, you know, that's why you'll see YouTubers with big subscriber numbers not hitting mm. those numbers. And it's why you might see people with smaller subscriber numbers hitting way bigger numbers. It's all about the recommended feed now. Because a lot of the YouTubers that I watch, a lot of them will end their videos by saying, you know, uh, smash a like or subscribe. The like does help, but yeah, it. I think it's just bred into us <laughs> to okay. still say that because it used to be the be all and the end all of like who, like if you were kind of someone on YouTube or not, like it was all about subscriber numbers, even though they, they never really impacted your earnings other than mm. repeat viewers. Well, let me ask the question a different way than um, replace the word subscribers with views. Is there a minimum number of views that you will have to tot up on a weekly or monthly basis for it to be uh, sustainable economically? Um, it depends on what your your lifestyle is and all of that, of course, and like how much you're willing to like kind of sacrifice on what you're doing and all that. But I think like 100,000 views, 200,000 views a month is probably enough to, to get by if you have the right revenue models. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah and so... Sorry, but just to add on top of that, if you're just talking about AdSense and you're not considering sponsorships or any of that, um, it will depend on your audience as well. So there are certain audiences that are worth more money in terms of AdSense. Um, women, for example, are worth more. Americans are often worth more just in terms of um, the cost per meal, CPM. So, yeah, it depends on what audience you have. Sometimes you might have to hit more views than that um, in order to make a sustainable living wage. I know that I don't currently make enough to pay my bills specifically from YouTube AdSense alone. So I need mm. to supplement it with sponsorships, Instagram sponsorships, other forms of income. Um, Patreon is a big form, a big part of my income stream and strategy. Um, and that helps me then actually make a living. That must be really tough to build up Patreon subscribers, is it? 
Yeah, well, you know that, isn't there like a saying if you have, was it a hundred or a thousand real fans or something, you can build a business out of anything? I'm mm. not sure that I lost the actual saying. But yeah, it, these they're really dedicated people. They're kind of people who really are invested in you and your content. And so while it is hard to build, it's amazing then to have that community there that are willing to, to help you keep going long term. Um, and it yeah. helps you to fund bigger and better stuff as well um, mm. because they're paying they're investing in your content, essentially. Yeah. And what's the, and I promise I will move away from the money now in a minute, but what's the split for you, Claire, for example, even very roughly speaking, how, how do, where, where do you make most of your living? Um, so I would say that I'm still not on what I would have been on, like what I would have been making a month, you know, at, at, at like previous office job. Um, the, rich, the rich Irish independent. Uh, but I would say like my Patreon is about double my YouTube AdSense um, and that's not to oversell my Patreon. That's uh, my YouTube AdSense would probably be a lot less than I think it would. And um, then the sort of final quarter, we'll say, of my income is made up from things like Kofi. So people might buy me a coffee on Kofi. They might hire me on Cameo to make um videos i might get the odd instagram sponsorship and then of course um every now and again i'll get a youtube sponsorship which is kind of where the the good money is and they're few and far between but they're really helpful when they come in and for you brian it's mostly youtube is it um no not really like that's what like i'm glad player uh expanded on the the idea of the revenue model thing because a lot of different creators have different revenue models um i would be primarily sponsorship driven and i thankfully because i upload so infrequently it's like one to two Mm. a month i usually book my sponsorships out for four or five months in advance Mm -hmm. um so it's like a good reliable income there i know what's going to be coming in four or five months from now um and then google adsense and a few other things and those sponsorships would they be for example a 10 second pre-roll or it's something at the beginning of one of your videos? Um, they've, Is that how that works? They vary. Um, I actually run a sponsorship agency um, based out of New York. Um, and we our policies that we don't do pre-rolls. We only do the ads after the video just because okay. like your relationship with your audience is the most valuable thing you have on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I think just shoving, especially some of the quality of sponsorships that you get in are pretty low. Um, but yep. like the ones we work with are all great. It's mostly educational stuff. So, really you're seeing this from both ends i mean you, you're you're a creator but you're also very very well equipped on the marketing side as well um yeah i mean i think every every youtuber is probably a little bit involved with all of that and have and understand both sides of that coin because you're you're running a business at the end of the day mm. and you have to understand marketing in order to succeed in yep. sponsorship, it's not just apparent. Like some people treat it like that, that you just throw an ad in, but like mm. in the end of the day, you're marketing and you're going to be able to charge more money for those sponsorships if you're good at marketing and can actually sell people on things. And what's the split there or how sensitive do you have to be in general between um, what we might, a layman might call organic content that you come up with yourself, just a video that you want to do and something that would be more motivated from a commercial um, aspect? Um, I, we have a policy that that's called a fully integrated ad where the sponsor has a say in what you're the, the content. And we basically just have a blanket ban on that with our agency, just cause it's, especially when you're working with ed- educational creators, 
Um, mm. It's the conflict of interest. It damages your journalistic integrity. And right. we had one or two of our clients uh, agree to them. And then we're just like, this is, this is a bad, this is it's like, you can't have um, a, like the, the money that's financing your work affect the actual content of your work. So we just, we don't do those. It's the, the sponsor has to be completely separate and it's just, this is the nod at the end of the video. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So, Claire, yeah. So it's just gonna, it can be nuanced though, can't it? Well, I was just going to say for me as, so I'm a personality based channel, so I may have a hmm. bit more maneuver room there. I would do a mixture. So there, you know, sometimes I have companies come to me and they're like, we just want, and it's never 10 seconds, by the way, it would be like a minute, minute 30 to maybe three hmm. minutes. Sometimes they ask for, which is kind of crazy in like a five minute video, hmm. but um, they'll ask for, you know, an ad, and then some of them will want a fully integrated video. So you're creating a custom piece of content for them. For me, I prefer the fully integrated videos because not only are they obviously worth more to me, um, that they, they make more sense if they're the right product. So for example, I did one before. I, I don't know if you want me to mention products, but I did one before for a camera company, but it's the camera that okay. I use. I've used them for 10 years. I have four or five different cameras and mm -hmm. they gave me the new one um to make a video with and then talk about in the video and that really worked for me because i've been talking with this camera brand for 10 years um so right. it, it and it was actually at the time it was around the time of my 10 year anniversary so that's the video that i made um and i talked about using these things for 10 years so that really works well for me i find it much easier because i have specific series that kind of work with that so i have a series called test tube where i try out products or services or challenges or things like that um it works really well when people either send me products or want you know, a fully integrated piece of content because I can just try their product and then I can give a review. But as Brian pointed out, sometimes with those kind of ones, the brand will want more control over what you say. Um, and mm. so sometimes, you know, your review is more positive, has to be positive kind of thing. Uh, so it's always, I always try and, and negate or like try and toe that line. Mm. And I take sponsorships from things I know that I love already and that I, can wholeheartedly recommend people but if i you know I'm, if i'm not going to like it and the brand is not going to allow me to be honest about it then i'm not going to do that it must be a tricky conversation with a brand though when they're trying to for their own reasons obviously maximize what a positive conversation around their product service might be and you're kind of trying to reserve a certain amount of critical faculty for that review um as well yeah um it gets easier with time it gets easier to negotiate that kind of stuff and you know i find that you can they they eventually do give you a little bit of leg room and you, you meet them halfway maybe you'll go i won't curse and i won't i won't mm. tell them it's the worst thing ever but i need to be honest and give my honest review and i didn't like this or this yeah big big tech brands have a very clever way of doing that they'll have two embargoes on a new laptop or a phone or something they'll send you the phone to say well there's two embargoes on this the first embargo is you're allowed to talk about the feature and show it and discuss what the features are and you you know your general impression but you're not allowed to show photographs from it or you're not allowed you know talk about how it worked in operation what they're really doing is that they're, that's basically free marketing and free pr without the negative stuff and i kind of dislike and i usually don't adhere to that yeah but. so you actually have a lot of experience with this as well because it's probably very similar situation other than you're not getting specifically paid to promote that particular product but you've the same set yeah, kind of rules and guidelines 
on the face of it, they're fairly polite to us. I don't know whether they're afraid or not, or they're probably less afraid because it's you guys who actually have as much or more influence actually than us in the traditional press in terms of things like product reviews, I have found. Um, Brian, let me just change track here. I mean, you mentioned education, for example. Other than what I've been rudely grilling you about finance and money, how do you actually measure success of, you know, a real science, a real engineering uh, video? Like your videos, for example, are somewhat educational. I mean, do you find them being referenced in that way? Or how do you, how do you yourself personally gauge success from them? Um, I mean, there's a lot of different metrics for success. I mean, I do get messages from uh, like college professors and stuff that use my videos as introductories into subjects because I wouldn't say they're mildly educational. Some videos are like some like quite educational and they're good intros into subjects that are quite complicated. Um, so that's always nice to see. And that is my, my mission with my channel was to introduce more people to the engineering profession and kind of communicate how important it was to the world. Cause I felt like that was something that was not being done on YouTube when I started. And I think that's why I grew so quickly. Um, cause it was something no one else was doing at the time. Um, mm. so yeah, like that's always good when, when like respected people in the field reach out and say the video is really good. Like I have a few friends in NASA and stuff now that like enjoy my videos and that's just, they're like superstars to me. Um, so that's, that's always nice. Have you heard the news? The Irish Independent has a new podcast. Thousands of people who work in the events industry are making more noise than ever. But are they being listened to? 20 minutes, five days a week, the Indo Daily takes you beyond the headlines and into Ireland's most talked about stories. Two gangs, 18 people killed, families torn apart. The Indo Daily podcast, available on Spotify, Apple, independent.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. And what about factors that might influence you to evolve the style if that has ever happened to viewers? Like, for example, in real science, I know the, the, the voiceovers there, mm -hmm. it's an American female voice rather than what must be your own for, for real engineering. Is, was that a, a conscious choice? Um, well, I mean, Stephanie, Stephanie lived in Ireland um, and she yeah. began working with me on real engineering. Um, I mean, it was a conscious. So no, no, what you're saying, you're basically that just well, happened that to be. Well, that no, um, I encouraged her into it because I felt like there wasn't enough female voices in STEM, and mm -hmm. I don't do this for ego. I don't need to voice over everything. It's like this is your. She's producing it. She's making the videos. This is your thing. You deserve ownership over this. But primarily, I want more female voices in my field. And yeah, it was it was it was an intentional decision, but. Also, okay. it was just the right decision to make. Right. But it wasn't influenced by the idea that you might get more views if it was oh, God, a different no. type of voice. No, okay. she, she, gets, she gets a lot of abuse for being a woman in her field on YouTube. And that's frustrating. Um, it probably would have been a better financial decision for me to do it since I was already a known character and kind of that parasocial mm. relationship thing where you kind of make it. What kind of abuse does she get? Ah, you know, just the usual sexism. The usual just, stuff women get on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, people calling her dear and girl and just the usual shite, you know yourself. <laughs> yeah, it varies from condescending to rude, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, we were talking about this um, in another context. Uh, it seems to be hard, a lot more toxic if you're 
a woman coming to some of these uh, topics than uh, is a man. Claire, have you you've noticed that? Have you at all? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it it totally. I mean, the parasocial relationship is definitely a thing, and but it can go both ways. You can have people who are really, really super into you and your content, and then you can have people who are really rude or yeah, condescending. It just it it does definitely does vary. Yeah, just a quick bit on uh, the the actual process of of what you both do. A lot of people imagine, Claire, for you, for example, you just hit record on your iPhone and start going or your camera and start chatting into the camera. But there's much more to it than that, right? Yeah, well, so I've sort of realized this, I guess, since I've gone full time is that there's actually way more to it. So um, like I would have my main channel um, and now I'm starting a second channel. Um, I've got my YouTube video podcast channel. Um, and then I'm also live streaming on Twitch. And so I'm trying to juggle, you know, f- and then I'm sorry, I'm re-uploading the Twitch streams to a YouTube live channel now coming shortly. So I'm trying to juggle four channels. Then I also have short form content. So I create short form content on TikTok, which I do repurpose. Repurposing is like the key to this. Um, so my short form content comes from TikTok. I then repurpose the different types um, of content that I create on there for the different channels, for shorts, for Instagram reels. Um, and then, yeah, for the shorts on the different channels, depending on what I'm talking about. Um, and then, you know, you're kind of constantly thinking of how you can build all your different social platforms. So for me, Instagram is a big deal. Um, the money in sponsorship in Ireland with Irish companies is in Instagram, I've found. Um, and then also, I use Instagram to promote my YouTube channels and my Twitch streams and all those other things. So I, you know, create uh, branded stories um, and share the links. So I'm constantly trying to figure out also focusing on YouTube, trying to bring in the money, trying to get up the views, trying to get up the AdSense, trying to get people to subscribe to my Patreon. But then I'm also trying to create stuff to grow my Instagram separately as a platform to promote my YouTube. So there is a lot of strategy that goes into it. And and some people are very successful just turning on the camera and making a video and it pops off. Um, and some people put a lot more time and effort into it, which is the category I'd fall into. Yeah. And Brian, yours are your very production heavy as well relatively they're scripted they're they're you know 15 20 minute videos with a a lot of research thrown in yeah um i'm lucky enough that i have a lot of help with it now and the production value has has increased over time but we're still quite Mm -hmm. a small team we've basically three three four person teams working on both channels um i'm primarily just writing these days i don't do much else i've kind of over time offloaded it as much as possible just to optimize and kind of try to make a factory line out of the the thing and yeah sure yeah i mean some of the interesting figures from google uh, last week were that there are now over 70 irish youtubers with more than a million subscribers and 450 plus uh, with more than 100,000 subscribers do you think that channels like youtube and instagram and snap and tiktok are kind of slowly replacing or eating into tv as a, a mass medium yeah i don't really even watch tv anymore i could get rid of tv and just have netflix and youtube you mean you're n- you're not following succession claire <laughs> if it's on netflix i watch it i've su- seen people tweet about it <laughs> yeah I, I i don't i don't know if replacing tv is the right way of looking at it um people are still watching it on their tv it's just who's who's creating things people actually want to watch and putting it where people are watching it anyone can upload yeah. on youtube i mean rt is going down the drain because they refuse to adapt to online media 
and like I've offered to to consult them with that and like up, like upload things to YouTube, create things people actually want to watch. But you know, mm. you evolve or you die. I don't think TV is dying. Um, the t- like TV is just where you watch it, and it's like just put it on YouTube or wherever else. Just follow where people are watching things. Although you know, if you watch YouTube on a TV, you still and have still to pay a TV license. license. <laughs> <laughs> we know. <laughs> 160 euro it's the television set well just to add to that though as well actually because just thinking of my house we couldn't get rid of the tv actually the tv subscription because of sport channels so there's still definitely places where mm-hmm. yeah youtube's not not replacing television per se it's just adding on to it like we might go on to youtube after watching the grand prix or watching rugby and then watch people react to it or watch people talk about it or you know what i mean so it's adding on to certain things not always replacing but in some cases, yeah, I would spend way more time watching YouTube than I would watch on TV. Um, Brian, long-term aspirations for the the channels? Um, Do you have any? I mean, yeah, of course. I have a lot of aspirations. <laughs> um, um, a lot of my work is kind of going more into the business side of things now. We launched a streaming service two years ago, and we just hit 400,000 paying subscribers yesterday. So... That's pretty crazy. Yeah, very happy with that. Um, didn't think that would work out, but one of those plays that worked out. Um, just continue growing the business. I want to start more channels, hire more people. I mean, the thing, the most value I get is just working with people and kind of sharing the success I had. So, just want to continue doing that. See, so you're basically going to become a media magnet. That's the hope. You're the the, <laughs> the Irish Vice, um, and Claire, you. As you've described a lot of what you do, what where do you see your channels in five, ten years time? It's hard. I think when your channels are just about you, it's really hard to be like, oh, I don't know, in ten years time. Um, I think in the short term, I would like to get to a stage where I can maybe hire somebody to help, help edit, kind of, so that I can create more content and I can turn it around faster. Um, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, ideally in five years time, I'd love to be still working for myself and still doing this kind of thing, whether or not I've, I'm still, you know, just on YouTube or whether I've moved to live streaming or whether I'm presenting on TV or anything, I just want to still be working for myself, I guess. And that to me is, is a measure of success. Um, there was actually one thing, sorry, 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 one. (laughs) No, I was going to ask, do you ever worry about things like pensions or? Oh, I have one. Oh, do, oh, I have a great oh, have accountant. One. Don't worry. And he has me read <laughs> the rights. Um, so uh, quite a lot of. So basically what I do is I pay myself barely enough um, to kind of pay my bills and then have a little bit left over. And then everything else is just saved, saved, saved for tax and pension. Right. At the okay. minute. Brian, you you don't have to worry about that because you're going to sell your empire to Rupert Murdoch in five years <laughs> no. for about 100 no. million. No, we'll buy Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> um no um i mean like i i live fairly frugally um i i prefer to hire people and grow the business than try to do anything else but yeah no like living i'm just happy creating what i'm creating that's the main thing like i started this to to have the freedom to kind of just learn what i want to learn about and create the things i want to create and that's the that's the success i really care about Okay, well, listen, guys, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. That was Brian McManus and Claire Cullen. And from me, Adrian Wackler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, that's all we have time for you this week. So I'll be here same time next week. Bye-bye.
Have you heard the news? The Irish Independent has a new podcast. We're not in the fairy tale business as journalists. We're in the truth business and the question we're there. 20 minutes, five days a week, the Indo Daily takes you beyond the headlines and into Ireland's most talked about stories. So 25 years on, people are absolutely fascinated again with this case. The Indo Daily podcast, available on Spotify, Apple, independent.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.